Hey, how's it going? It's Ollie here. Very warm welcome to the e-commerce freedom podcast. So just before we dive in, I've got two special new resources for you. First resource is a PDF with 15 smash hit products on it, ready to go. Examples of products you can sell on Amazon. So you can use this for inspiration or you can just see, you know, what types of products do really, really, really well. I've even included uh, revenue examples. So you can see the amount of money that each product is likely to generate on the Amazon marketplace. If you want to grab this free PDF, just go to ecommercefreedom.com and you'll see a link at the top of the page where you can grab the PDF. The second resource I want to give you is a free Amazon Accelerator call. The whole point of this call is for us to have a quick chat right? and uh, we'll gather up a little bit of information about your situation and together we'll develop a plan for you to build an Amazon business that either works as a side hustle for you or could replace your job and we'll take into account your situation, your experience, your background and give you a clear set of action steps to um, uh, go ahead and build the business. If you want to book one of those, go to ecommercefreedom.com, uh, go to the top of the page and click Amazon Accelerator Call. You can fill out a quick form and you can book the call. All right. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode. This one's going to be good and uh, uh, enjoy it. Hey everyone, how are we doing? Very warm welcome to another episode of the e-commerce freedom podcast. So today I have a very, very special guest by the name of Patrick Gentempo and Patrick's book, Your Stand is Your Brand, um, is something that I believe most new entrepreneurs need to read at some point on their journey. And what I want to do today is talk to, to Patrick about how you can build a brand, how you can build company values and build a vision for your company that goes beyond just the fluff that you hear sometimes, you know, coming out of these, um, uh, you know, company uh, corporate boardrooms, but make it something substantial. And how can you actually build this stuff into your business to make your business stronger um, and actually um, change the types of decisions you make day to day. So Patrick, it's really awesome to have you here. How are you doing today, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you. You're very welcome. So what I'd love to do first, I usually do with guests, is I'd love to hear uh, what led to you uh, writing this book. Well, it comes from, you know, over two decades of entrepreneurial experience. Um, I've I've started 16 companies and to be clear, um, they don't all work. Uh, but uh, I've built multiple multi-million dollar businesses um, and scaled them over some years. Um, and uh, I, I used to do a lot of business training and, and I would travel around the world lecturing to audiences of entrepreneurs. And uh, I, I'm in a different phase of my life to some degree now. And, and I felt, geez, you know, I, I had all this information I used to give out in audiences to tens of thousands of people. And uh, I'm not talking about a lot of it anymore. I'm on to other things to some extent. And, uh, but I, I, I still would like to have people have access to the information. So I think in part, that's one of the things that motivated me to, to write a book. For years after I'd lecture, people would say, do you have a book? Do you have a book? And I'd say, no, you know, I'm, you know my, I don't make my living really lecturing. I don't make my living writing books. I, I, I build companies, but um, I, I uh, just decided that maybe at this point, it's time for me to share a little bit more to a broader audience that you experiences that I've had and hope that it will serve them in some way. Love it. That's, that's fascinating. So you mentioned you've, you've launched 16 companies. So can you give us a couple of examples? What, what type of businesses have you started? Which ones worked? Which ones failed? Yeah. So the, the highlights, um, I think are, uh, 
are such that, um, uh, yeah, I started, I started, well, let me go this way. So academically, by training, I'm a chiropractor. I went to school uh, to become a chiropractor. So my first business when I got out of school was a chiropractic practice. While I was in practice, I saw a challenge or a problem uh, facing chiropractors in so far as some of their examination process. I felt very often I was selling a product I wasn't sure I was delivering. I couldn't really quantify the things that were important to me and ended up co-developing diagnostic technologies on which uh, I got some patents. So I found myself in, a, you know, in another business, uh, developing this diagnostic technology business. And uh, that is a business I ran as its CEO for 23 years. Um, you know, I scaled it over time. Uh, by the time I exited the business in 2011, I think we had about 8,000 clients on six continents you know, that, were, that utilized our technology. And, uh, but out of that company spun off other businesses uh, like, that I noticed. So we had the technology side and the technology development side. But I noticed that it wasn't the technology that got the result in these doctors' offices. It was who the person was using it meaning uh, we, they needed training, uh, certain personal development training, certain business training. Uh, so we spun off uh, varying things uh, that, uh, that were businesses that were related to the central business, but, um, but you know, really uh, were, were new development, new areas, et cetera. Um, from there, I had also developed a wellness business. Uh, we put up about 300 wellness licensed wellness centers and franchises. Um, and again, technology was involved in that. We had some patents on, on how we're doing that. Um, but a lot of this you know, came around some of the upheavals that happened in the world like is now. So I just want to incidentally, as we're having this conversation, I, I, I will, uh, during the course of our conversation, um, reference what's going on in the world right now with the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, I've, I've shepherded businesses through many of these uh, types of challenges, although I think this one's a little bit different than others. Uh, but, you know, through dot-com bubble of 2000, uh, 2001-9-11, you know, it was a big, big issue, big downturn, big disruptor. 2007-2008, uh, the collapse of the banking system worldwide, you know, that was a major disruption. Now this one. So I, I've seen these, you know, I've seen this movie before. I think there's some nuances here that are different. I think there's some common things. So, uh, so I, I'd like to not ignore that, and maybe we'll have a little bit of a conversation and to tease everybody a little bit. I'm just going to say also that I believe we're going to see uh, in this in these coming months uh, the greatest wealth transfer in the history of humankind, and um, and people really need to be paying attention. There's a lot of somewhat scary things going on and, and some pretty big opportunities happening. So, um, so anyway, so yeah, so I, I was in that business was another business that we created. Uh, and uh, then when I sold the company in 2011, I, I created a holding company with my wife called Action Potential Holdings. And we started uh, varying projects and invested in some companies. And so it was the holding company with probably, I don't know, we had seven or eight or nine ventures in it. Some, again, like we, we built technology or a, uh, like these technology platforms for varying verticals uh, that, uh, you know, that didn't really work so well. You know, we invested some time, money over time. It just never caught traction. And we've done other things, which is my main business activity now, which is called Revealed Films, where we make docu-series that we put online and, uh, and market online to a worldwide audience. And that company is, is one of the, the most successful companies I've gotten involved in. So, so it's been a wide range of things from, practicing chiropractor to making movies and everything in between. Um, but what I can tell you is that the business principles that need to be applied are 
you know, are, are the same no matter what kind of a business that you're in. Love it. And yeah, was, that was the first thing I was going to say. Very wide range of businesses. And it's funny, I've had a few guests on um, who've been, you know, entrepreneurially active for a long time. And it's so, it's always fascinating the wide range that, that, that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, experience. And, and yeah, you know, whether you're running, I had someone on who once produced a Broadway play, whether you're doing that or whether you're doing, you know, tech for chiropractors, uh, there is certain things that stay the same and that need to work. So maybe we should start then with something I said before we, we, we hit record, when we were having a talk before, the, before we started, um, was my attitude previously uh, till recently towards values, company values and vision. And I've already, always thought to myself, you know, this stuff's just fluff. This stuff to companies just say so they can look good, um, uh, you know, to the public. So why, first of all, uh, is it not fluff? And how do you do it the right way? So every company that I start um, starts with creating core values and then a statement of purpose that comes out of those core values. And you aren't wrong insofar as there are a lot of companies who go through the exercise of doing this, but then they put it in the drawer and nobody ever looks at it again. Nobody thinks about it again. It's like, okay, check that box. We did that, that exercise one weekend. And as I say, it's kind of like a trick they play on themselves as compared to something that really becomes a, a guiding compass for the company and how it's built. And you, know, you, you can point to so many uh, companies uh, that are, um, you know, that, that do it that way. And then there's other companies that actually adopt this approach toward things and, and succeed with them. And I'll give you an example. Um, I was on a conference call once with the Tony Shea, who was the CEO of, of uh, Zappos who, that built that company basically to a company that was you know, operating on a very low level. And I think losing money when he took over and he, he built it to a billion dollar company that I believe sold to Amazon for something like a billion dollars or more. And, uh, and you know, he's asked, so how did you do that? How'd you take this company that was kind of like struggling and build it into the company that, that it became? And he said, very simple. Uh, we got together, we created 10 core values for the company and, uh, and we energized around them every single day. <laughs> and I mean, that was literally his answer to how he built a billion dollar enterprise and sold to Amazon. Um, and you can go, if you look at the famous Markula document from Apple, you know, the three guiding principles that basically I would look at as three core values that they adopted back when, before Apple was Apple. And you literally can look at that document today and still apply it to Apple as the most valuable company in the world as it was when, uh, when Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak were operating out of their garage and this guy, Markula, came in and said, uh, you know, he invested a quarter million dollars in Apple and said, here's our, basically our guiding document for, you know, how we are going to present ourselves to the world. Um, and so in, in the book, I give many examples on different scales, but ultimately the theme is this, is that um, I call the book Your Stand is Your Brand. And the reason that I, I make that statement is that you need any business needs to stand for something. They have to have a reason to exist. If you don't have one, nobody cares about you. Then what happens is you're chasing opportunity. Oh, I can make money doing this. Oh, I can make money doing that. And there's no bond. There's no brand. There's no anything that has any value attached to it. And certainly no traction 
that you can build on. It's a difference between saying I'm laying down a foundation and building on it as compared to saying I'm on, you know, I'm on the sand and I'm just going to you know, do any chance thing that I can to make a little bit of money here and there. So, uh, and, and I think this is a big part of looking at today, what's going on in the world, uh, you know, with this pandemic and how people are reacting and the, the fear that it's gripping the throat of the world. And, you know, as, at the time of this recording, seeing the, the literally the world economy collapse and now the prospect of, uh, of governments printing, you know, untold hordes of money and then sending, you know, and, and, you know, to try to solve the problem. Um, and uh, yeah, this, there, there's going to be deep reverberating implications to what's going on right now. And having been through a bunch of these, what I see every single time is that there are people that come out on the other side of it, very wealthy, very well established uh, and very strong businesses. And I see people that get wiped out during the course of it. And I can tell you that the people who make it through, there's, there's many things I can cite but they, they have something that is very clear to them, clear to every stakeholder of the business, meaning its employees, its suppliers, its, its, its uh, patrons and customers. Um, it's just it's something that is tangible and real, and those values will dictate the actions of the business. I have, I've, you know, through this crisis, I've been people calling me left and right saying, oh, what do I need to do? What should I do? What do I need to do? And, uh, I, and I say, you're asking the wrong question. They say, what should I do? Meaning maybe they're a solopreneur, you know, and, and they have their own business with a few contractors. What, and, or I have people call me with, with large businesses. You know, what, what, what should my business do? How did you navigate 2008? Did you do this? Did you do that? And what I keep saying is you're asking the wrong question. The question isn't what should you do. The question is who should you be right now? That's the mm. question. <clears throat> because you have to decide who to be before you know what to do. I love and, that um, yeah, so, so that's the whole point um, of, of having core values, having purpose. It tells you who to be. And once you know who to be, then you can take action on what to do. But, uh, you know, but, you know, two different businesses with two different values and two different, you know, different purpose that they have and different culture, community following, they shouldn't be doing the same thing. You have to, it's, it's who are you? You know, how do you show up? And, and that's why the, the, the book we subtitled, it's how deciding who to be, not what to do, will revolutionize your business. And, you know, what's really interesting to me is, you know, you can't, you know, you can't predict this stuff. I mean, you know, the, the contract for this book was signed, you know, almost three years ago with the publisher. And, uh, you know, there, if somebody said, what's the perfect time for this book to be in the world? I would have said right now during this pandemic. So uh, because people need to ask that question, they need to understand how to, first of all, construct their philosophy. Very, very important because your core values don't just come out of the air. You have a certain view of reality. The thing that I think the one thing that I've taught that is different than just about anybody else in the world that I'm known for is philosophy. But I'm not an academic philosopher. I'm a practical philosopher. How to use critical thinking, organize it, and then put it on the ground and turn it into money and profit. And a philosophy is the most practical thing a human being can hope to embrace. It's the most practical thing a business can hope to embrace. So you have to understand philosophy, its branches, and then how to apply them in a practical way to your life and your business. So, and that's you know, the, the one chapter in the book. I say, yeah, that's a little bit heavy lifting. You're going to have to engage your brain when you read that one. But if you do, it's going to pay off for the rest of your life. 
Um, and uh, so from, from your philosophy, though, which gives you your view of reality in part, like, you know, what do I believe, which is the first branch metaphysics, why do I believe in epistemology, then your core value starts to emerge because you're starting to shape your thinking, your understanding in the world and what kind of a lens you look through. And, and I, as I tell people, the core values of your business need to be aligned with your own personal core values. I mean, you can't show up in a business every day that you, that you don't share the values of. But at the same time, um, they should not be, they don't need to be identical values because your business is its own entity. You're, you're like uh, Frankenstein creating your own monster here. And it's going to have a life of its own, at least if you want a saleable business. And, and you know, most I, my practice I sold many, many years ago is still in that town, still serving the same people. The, you know, the, the businesses I've sold along the way are still out there working because they weren't me. I cre- I, they were me to start, but I created their values. I created their purpose so that if I get hit by a truck, the business should keep going. It has its own life that I give it. So, so this is when you talk about core values as a corporate exercise just to sound good. Oh, honesty, integrity. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with those values, but people say them, but then they don't practice them. In, in my case, I'm saying that, that these fundamentals, every business needs to have. And when, and when you put them in place and you live them every day, you're going to see some magical things happen in that business. Love it. And it's, I guess it's a little bit like then I watched your Ted talk recently, by the way, if you're listening to this, you haven't seen Patrick's Ted talk, definitely go check it out. Um, it's a little bit like then everybody has philosophy, right? But if you don't decide what your philosophy is, then I mean, you almost get one by default. Is it the same thing with a company? Yeah. I mean, you know, the company has a philosophy. So here's the thing to understand right now you're here, anybody, if you're hearing my voice right now, know two things. Number one, you have a philosophy. There's no escaping it. You have one. The only question is if you defined it in a conscious, rational, and disciplined way, or let it kind of, of accumulate in your subconscious, which is not serving you, um, because there's probably a lot of contradictions in there that are, that are taking you down. And your business has a philosophy. Again, whether you defined it or not is a separate issue. So, uh, so the practical use of philosophy is, is highly critical. Everybody's got one. Uh, every business has one. And it can either be the greatest tool for your success or the biggest detriment to your success because you haven't organized it. That's fascinating. So I think what, what everyone's asking right now in their heads, what I'm asking, is that, yes, we need core value. Right? We need purpose. We need a philosophy as a company and as an individual. How do you develop a really solid company philosophy? So, um, you know, I, and I could, yeah, I, I obviously within the context of the time frame we have, I could, I could speak to it briefly. Uh, but I will say that, you know, this is one of the reasons I wrote the book because I, I used to do workshops on this where I could take people through an exercise. And, and uh, since I don't do that anymore, um, you know, the book can, can do that for you. Um, so the answer to the question is that you have to start asking yourself the right questions. <laughs> and that's where it really starts with, um, when you say, okay, <clears throat> and I, I used to do every so often, I would do these things I call mountaintop masterminds because I live out in the mountains and people would come in, companies would come in and spend a day and a half with me. They paid a, a very, very premium fee for it. Um, and I would, um, I would take them through the exercise you know, that, that I'm describing now or, and, and the question that you're asking, 
But uh, they would show up and say, okay, it, it, to your point earlier, Oliver, here's the core values. Here's, uh, you know, here's our purpose. We have this for our company. <clears throat> I will tell you, I've done several of these. Not a single one of them survived the process. When we, when we got into them, every single one of them, if I, if you, if I can, I'm allowed to use the profanity, it was bullshit. It was just la-la land, nothing very real, nothing deeply held. It was just, oh, yeah, we got together, we spent a few hours, and we, you know, we came up with these things, and we like it, and we posted on our wall and so on. And as I start looking at the company, looking at their hiring practices, looking at their marketing copy, looking at their website, looking at, at you know, just every aspect of how they operate and how they message and how they interact with each other. I look at the core values and say, these are all bullshit. Every, you know, I'm, you know, here's A, B, C, and D of, of how you are operating and how you're messaging and how you're interacting. And, and these values aren't being applied. And it's not that values are right or wrong, they're either aligned or they're not. So, uh, and it was funny because the most recent company were young entrepreneurs. They have a SaaS online company. They're doing well. Uh, they're growing. Um, they're excited. And, uh, and they thought they had this really nailed. I mean, they came in very, very confident. And I, and I, and I was happy for them. I thought, it would, you know, I, I said, okay, good. This is going to make the process go faster. And then they left. They said, you know, what we had was like, it felt like the kindergartner's understanding of this. But what they left with was something that was a real company that whether it was doing a million dollars a year or a hundred million dollars a year, those core values were going to hold up. That purpose was going to hold up. So the, so the, the idea, I guess, is saying or answering the question of how do you, you know, how do you get this going? It starts with a blank sheet of paper and, and there's two things. Number one, really getting out of your mind, out of your, your, your brain and your, you know, your thinking how you really see the world. Number two, then if you already have a business, you have to, you have to uh, uh, contextualize that with how you're actually operating every day and seeing if these things line up or not. So sometimes what I do, and, and I mean, we ask people to resist the temptation. I talk about core values. I teach them a little bit about philosophy and understanding, you know, how to create a view of reality and, and have a organized view of existence, uh, you know, and that uh, I've been studying philosophy for 30 years and I still study it constantly because it, it's like a never ending thing. You don't ever, you might even master it to a degree, but you ne you're never done. You can keep refining it. But, uh, you know, I, I, so I pull out of people kind of how they see the world, why they exist, what they, you know, what, what do they care about? And once I start to get some sense of some values out of them, then I'll go in and I'll go through a series of companies' values. You know, I go right online, I'll, like Zappos I mentioned, you know, Apple, the Markula document I mentioned. Uh, there are other companies out there that I find out what do they admire, who do they identify with, and let's look at their values. And then once we start to look at a bunch of them, you start to see what really sticks as far as saying, oh, that one makes sense to me. I like that one a lot. Oh, we have to adopt that one, et cetera. So once we go through that process, now there's a you know, sheet of, I don't know, maybe 20, 30. Then we start to whittle down and, and get it down. It really should be somewhere between five to 10 core values on average. You know, sometimes people are a little bit less. Sometimes people go a little over. But I like to not see more than 10 and maybe, uh, you know, maybe somewhere between seven and 10. And then, then choosing a number one core value. What is that, that North Star? What's the, if you only could have one, which one is it going to be? 
And then once we go through all this, and then we start to get a sense of purpose. Purpose is why do you exist? I mean, why, why, why does your business even exist in the first place? And the answer can't be so I can make a lot of money. That's an effect, not a cause, which I work through in the book in what I call the 5P expansion sequence. Every company I've started, I use the 5P expansion sequence, and it serves me well. It's a really good model. But I guess in the end, you know, without, like I said, this can go on for hours trying to answer this question. I'm trying to get to it short, in a short time span. But in the end, once you start to identify these things and, and you, you, you solidify them, that's when I go into the war room mode and say, okay, now let's look at your company. Let's look at how it's running and see how it compares to these core values. And pretty quickly, you start to see areas you have to fix if you want to live these values and this purpose. That makes a lot of sense. Right. So really, it's about seeing how you see the world and just seeing if your business marries up to it. Um, and I love what you said about um, other companies, seeing which um, you admire and which you don't admire. That's such a good starting point just to, because a lot of people are going to have to see that blank sheet of paper and be like, well, I can't even think of one <laughs> right now. Right. So that, that's, a, that's a great place to start. So what I'm curious about is what if you're just like a really tiny business? Like let's say you have a, okay, well I teach Amazon. I sell on Amazon. Let's say you have an Amazon business. You're one person and you just sell uh, spatulas, for example, right? Pick a random product out of the air. Um, you just sell spatulas on Amazon. Can a company that small, making that much of a, a ripple, uh, have values? Has to. Or I'll even go a step further. It does have values. The question is, have they been identified? <laughs> so, in other words, if you are selling spatulas, right, on Amazon, it's a, it's a really great example. You say, well, this is kind of mundane. Because there's different kinds of entrepreneurs, right? Mm. You have cause-based entrepreneurs, right? That basically they got into what they're doing because they're, they're activated about a cause that, that, that they, they want to go to work on every day. You have uh, you know, passion entrepreneurs where there's just something that they just feel a passion about, which is similar to a cause-based, but not the exact same thing. I think uh, Ryan Lebeck talks about this in his book, Choose, and it's a really, really good distinction he makes, um, where uh, there's, um, you know, you have a lot of passion around like uh, something, uh, and I've done all, you know, I've, I've been a, kind of a part of many of these. You might have the, the entrepreneur who just loves business for business sake, saying, I love being my own boss. I love starting uh, businesses. Um, I like running my own business because not everybody likes that. Uh, but now you have to have business values, right? Uh, so, you know, it, it, and not only you have to, you do have business values. So if you're saying, hey, I'm not out here to save the world, by selling spatulas on Amazon, but I do, through what I do, I wanna do a couple of things. I want happy customers who like what we do, and I wanna make a profit doing it. So right there, you're telling me about, there, there's values baked into just those two simple little statements. Having happy, because you don't want unhappy customers, you don't want a bunch of returns on your Amazon business, do you? That wouldn't do good for you. Um, so you want, you want people to be happy with the, with the product you're, you're providing, with you know, the way that it's shipped, you know, all those things that go along with Amazon. Uh, you want high ratings, right? Uh, so there's certain, certain values you have to have and certain ways that you have to present your product from a marketing perspective. Why would one spatula company make more money on Amazon than another? And you probably know this better than I do. 
is because uh, you know the, the way that they're presenting the product. There's some people with great products, but they're horrible at their marketing and their copy. They probably don't have any of the things I'm talking about as far as core values. Nothing's represented there as a brand. It's just a commodity. <clears throat> and you don't want a commodity business because you know they, they, they live and die you know, on an altering basis all day long. So the question is, if you want, if you, let's say you had that Amazon uh, spatula business today, you're selling a certain amount of, of, of spatulas. There's copies on, there's copy on that page. There's something that you can reveal to people. <clears throat> imagine if you weren't just another seller on Amazon, but imagine if you had a purpose as a company and I'm making very trite things up. Imagine if your purpose was to have the, the happiest customers on Amazon, meaning they like doing business with you more than anybody else that they buy from. Uh, imagine if you had a, a purpose to, uh, to provide the highest quality products for value. Again, I'm just kind of making things up. But imagine the, there's some guideposts here. How do you decide which spatula you're going to sell? How do you decide? And I know that you know, when, when people go into Amazon businesses, they look at the marketplace. They look for opportunity in that marketplace. They see mundane items that sell all the time, and they realize that, that they can make deals with other with manufacturers of these products become good marketers and, and sellers on Amazon know how to get good, you know, know how to get that whole system aligned so that they can have regular profit. I understand. I don't, I'm not in that business, but I understand generically how it might work. But in the end, everything that I'm saying has some values baked into it. It's got some vision that's attached to it. It's got desired outcomes that it's looking to create. And, it, and once you have the spatula and that's going well, well, next thing you might want is uh, measuring cups. <laughs> and the next thing you might want is third product and the fourth product and the fifth product you're going to add. There's something that's got to help you decide which products, something that's got to help you decide uh, you know, how they're going to be represented, something that's going to start building a brand that people can bond to. And, and the stand that you're taking, which is the values and the purpose that you have, is going to dictate all of those outcomes. So I would say that um, if you want to stay small and be, you know, have a single product on Amazon and eke out, you know, a part-time living, making a little extra money, you don't need to do any of the stuff I'm talking about. Uh, but if you want to have a real business that can grow, that can sustain, that can give off profit, that can bring on employees as the scale starts to increase, all of those things require core values, purpose, and then very, and then beyond that, operating principles that can build an enterprise to you know a higher level love it you nailed it man and the thing is um there's now especially now there's an increasing number of chinese sellers who are just sticking the stuff that they manufacture in china and just sticking it on amazon and just selling it cheap uh and it's becoming it's making the marketplace more competitive because they can sell stuff cheaper but the one thing they won't have is they won't have those values that you can develop as a local business uh, where you're really dedicated to good customer service, dedicated to, to providing good products on and in that niche. And this stuff is exactly how you can make yourself stand out. So I'm really, uh, I think this stuff is really, really valuable. So what I want to do is I want to move the conversation on to the current situation now. 
And obviously, if you're listening to this, um, you're thinking about the virus all the time. Patrick, I'm sure you are. I'm washing my hands like obsessively at the moment. I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, we're inside. A lot of us have to stay inside. We can't skirt around the topic. This business is, you know, this virus is going to have an effect on our business. So how does this stuff apply? How does having core values, how does um, having a really strong, solid philosophy for how you operate, how does this stuff apply when the economy is not doing very well? It applies in so far as having to take a stand. Um, and let me explain um, in, in closing the loop, um, you know, on the Amazon business, as you're saying, because it's not a dissimilar thing. It, it, these two things are very much related. When you say, hey, I'm competing with the direct from manufacturer pricing that they're putting up on, on Amazon and it, it, it's getting very commoditized. What if, you know, uh, the spatula, the spatula uh, manufacturer who's undercutting you on Amazon, what if on your page you said, we, my company or this company, we are taking a stand. We recognize that the Amazon marketplace is being flooded by Chinese manufacturers who are not customer service minded, not, um, uh, not um, uh, quality minded, not whatever minded, and are just throwing cheap stuff up here to sell to you. And we're taking a stand because we don't think that's the way that anybody should be treated or anybody should want to do business. If you are more interested in having a relationship with a company that cares about its customers, that is, is thinking about how to add value to their customers in any possible way, and, uh, and are more interested in doing business with somebody like us as compared to somebody who will just try to throw the cheapest piece of plastic out there that they can, then you're our customer. So and this is what taking a stand means. It means saying, it's in other words, what we're saying is, if you're looking for the absolute cheapest spatula on Amazon, we're not, we're not it. And be willing to say that. As compared to trying to compete with that, you've got to take your stand and say, we're not the cheapest. We're not going to be the cheapest. And I'm not going to spend my life competing on price on every commodity that I want to sell. It's not the kind of business. Those aren't my business values. That's the business value of the Chinese manufacturer. My business, their business value is give you the cheapest thing we can. My business value is serve the highest value I can at a fair price. So some people only care about price, they're not my customer and I want them to know that the second they land on my page. And for the people who care more than about price but will spend a little bit of extra money to have a higher quality experience, that's my customer, that's my values, that's what's gonna keep me in the game because I'll never compete on price with China. So, so, that, so I, I think you, that, that example is an important example to understand the virtue of, of taking a stand. And that's why I say your stand is your brand. So um, getting now to the crisis, it's the same thing. A lot of people are, are running around dark alleys, arms waving, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. And there's some seriously bad stuff happening. Uh, not to me, you know, and again, now, now I'm giving you opinion, okay? So we have to separate opinion from fact. Uh, my opinion is uh, that we're way, way, way overreacting to the coronavirus, that we're way, way, way overreacting to COVID-19. I believe that po our political leaders' values are completely screwed up. You know, when, you say, when you talk about values in politics, those two things almost don't go together, right? Mm -hmm. we, you know, we're, we're dealing with, you know, uh, you know I, I don't have a lot of respect for most of our politicians. There's some of them I think I like, but most of them 
are thinking about just how to get elected next term. They're not thinking in principles. They're not thinking in purpose. They're not thinking in values. And, and, uh, and they make decisions and policies that impact us all that are debilitating. They're completely irresponsible. As my mentor taught me, they said that, uh, that uh, politicians are accountable to good intentions. Businesses are accountable to reality. There's no way I could spend year after year after year and just, just use a bunch of debt to keep my business going. I would, reality would set in and I'd be out of business, yet you know, our governments can just print money at will, tax us and our children and our grandchildren, and, uh, and continue to put us in deeper and deeper debt, putting more and more strain on us. And, but their intentions are good, so therefore it, you know, it, it, you know, they, they get reelected. So I think that um, what you have to decide right now is in this circumstance, who do you need to be? So, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, as the, the, the crisis is hitting and, uh, you know, you, if you have a business, who are you going to be in this business right now? Are you going to go hide? Are you going to just run for shelter and let the storm ride itself out? And if you think that that's the right thing for you to do, I'm not telling you you're wrong, but you just have to decide you know, who you want to be, who is your audience? How do you want to stand in front of them? What messages are you going to put out in front of them? Uh, you know, we certainly are going through in my businesses, there's a lot of reorganization we have to do right now based on what's happening. We have to be very cognizant of it, but we know who we are. We know what our values are. And, um, and so when I set the vision, I said, here's what's going to happen. We have to reorganize. We have to pivot. But this fall, we're going to be a bigger and more profitable business than we are today. So, as, so, I, that, so do you see that as a purpose, a short-term purpose between now and the fall? Do you see how my, that informs my thinking? Rather than saying, okay, well, then how do we shrink right now and hope to ride the storm out? I'm saying, how do we reorganize and actually profit in the circumstance on higher levels? And what that's going to require is that we have to serve our audience in a, in a better way, a more, a more um, robust way, uh, like we never have before, and that's how we grow. So let's start to think about and get creative on how are we going to do that. So, so for me, I'm taking a stand, and I'm taking a stand saying that I'm not going to let the coronavirus uh, derail my life, my ambitions, my dreams. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to uh, buy into the fear and the panic and help to fuel that because that's what people are doing. They're basically spreading fear and panic more than they're spreading the virus. It's very and, true. Uh, and, that's very true. And, and, yeah. So, so anyway, so those, those, you know, so that's, that's the way that I'm looking at it. And I will tell you, you're going to all be looking at back on this a, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, and you're going to say, oh, some people got really wealthy through this because they did X and I didn't. So uh, I, I think it's time for a gut check. If you're an entrepreneur, it's time to get activated. Entrepreneurs solve problems. They don't, they don't, they're not a part of the problem. They're the solution. So start thinking about how to be a solution to this problem and you're going to get wealthy. Love it. And so um, the ones who are probably going to come out uh, better off after this crisis are going to be the ones who did take a stand, right? That's right. It's Love really it. that simply take a stand and, and mean it. Don't just take a stand as an affect. That never works. When you take your stand, you mean it. Love it. So one thing uh, we talked about briefly before, uh, before we started the interview was for a lot of business owners, especially new business owners, uh, they're worried that if they do take a stand and they're thinking, okay, yeah, you know, I need to represent something. I need to stand for something. I need to have values. What if it comes across as a bit polarizing? What if I, I do take a stand, 
then, you know, I'm talking to 20% of the world now and I'm not talking to 100%. Isn't that going to mean less sales for me? Isn't that going to mean uh, less profit? What would you say to someone who was, who was worried about being polarizing? I'll give it to you in a short clip, but uh, to me, the profits are in polarization. And that, and, and, and see, the thinking that you have is the exact opposite, or and not that you have, but that you uh, shared as, as an example, is the opposite of what's true. If you, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything, nobody's following you. So uh, the reality is, and I've seen this over and over again, the more polarizing the subject that we are engaging in, the better we do. <laughs> and that's because if, it's very defining. The people who are aligned with you, they become fanatics. They're aligned with you because you're taking their side. And the people who aren't aligned with you, well, they're not. That's okay. It's not a matter of how big is my audience. The question is how activated are they? How engaged are they? It's quality before quantity. So, uh, so it, 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 the basic saying is this. Never take opportunity over values. Well, it's a bigger opportunity if I do this, but if it's not aligned with your values, don't do it. It will hurt you every single time. You have to know your values, take a stand on them, and then the, I tell people when somebody shows up on your website, they should know hopefully within about 10 seconds if they belong there or not. And if, they, if, they, if they're confused, you know, the, the adage is confused minds don't buy. So either they show up there and they get it and they see it and they connect and they're in, or they show up there and say, eh, this isn't me, and they're gone. That's really good. I love that. And this is why this is why we have hundreds and hundreds of mediocre products on Amazon that just don't sell. Because right. you look at the listing, it's very informative. There's some writing on there, but they could have just copied and pasted it from any other um, website. That's right. You know? And so when you do take a stand, when you make something more polarizing and, and really you stick your neck out and say, listen, this is what I'm here for, like it or leave it, like you say, you attract more customers and uh, not less. So Patrick, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really, really enjoyed uh, interview today. And so let's talk about your book. So your stand is your brand. Uh, it's already released, right? And people can get it on Amazon. Is there anywhere else they can go to grab it? Yeah, I think uh, if you go to my, uh, the book's website, <clears throat> excuse me, the book's website, which is yourstandisyourbrand.com, uh, I have links to all the booksellers there. You have Amazon, Barnes & Noble, I think Waterstones, which I think is in the UK, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's also a bonus that, that we're giving with the book. Once you place your order, if you, um, you can then take that order number and put it in with your email in a, in a box on the website, and um, the bonus is that, and you'll get the bonus, which is, I don't know, you may or may not know Joe Polish and Genius Network. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, so, so Genius X, uh, I'm a member of, of that, but the Genius X is $100,000 mastermind, meaning everybody in the room pays $100,000 a year to sit in that room uh, to be a part of that mastermind. So these are really successful entrepreneurs. And Joe had me come in and do a one-hour presentation live on your stand as your brand, you know, and go through basically the chapters of the book and explain it and bring it to life. And, uh, and then I think what was even more valuable than that is the questions they ask at the end because you, when you see how these people think and the type of questions they ask, it teaches you something. Uh, so that got recorded. The video is there with the Q&A section. Uh, so we have the video, the audio of that, and the transcript of that. So when you buy the book, 
if uh, once you have your order number, put that in and then submit for the bonus, and we send you all the bonus materials also, which is what I just described. Um, and that's so. And to me, you know, those people pay a hundred thousand uh, dollars a year to be in that room, and you know, buy the book. I think it'll be the best twenty dollars you ever spent. Uh, but then, uh, you know, after you buy the book, get the bonus and, and get to share with, with uh, these people who spent 100 grand to be in that room, get what they got. So, um, so I, you can go to gentempo.com, my last name, or your standisyourbrand.com. They both lead to the same place. Get the book there and then uh, apply for the bonus and, uh, and we'll be happy to ship that off to you. Love it. Awesome. I think that's a no brainer. So your stand is your You can grab the book and you can get that amazing bonus as well. So Patrick, it's been really fantastic having you uh, on the session today. Uh, thanks so much for being so generous, sharing your wisdom and uh, yeah, really can't wait for people to listen to this and share it. Oliver, it's been my pleasure. I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and you know, I, I like you, I, I love entrepreneurs. Um, I love people who take responsibility for their own outcomes and go to try to add some value in the world. So if somehow this helped them, it makes me happy. Likewise. Awesome, Patrick. Thanks so much, man. And I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Thanks. Take care.